Lainey Drury of Remedy Supply Co. Thank you so much for joining us here today, Lainey. Thank you for having me. This is going to be yes, so fun. Yeah, Great thank to you. Meet you. I'd love to know a little bit about your coffee journey. Um, how did you, so you, you own your own business now. Um, how long have you been working in coffee and, and what experiences have you had? Ooh, that's already a big question. Straight into <laughs> so it. I've been in the coffee industry for about 11 years. It'll be 11 years in October. And I started out as a part-time barista at Starbucks. <laughs> like, I was same, yeah. helping yeah. pay my way. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's it's a great like jumping off board. It's fabulous. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so I worked there for four years and went through their coffee master program and just had a great time. And then I moved to Santa Cruz to go to UCSC. I mean, to Santa Cruz, and so I was looking for another coffee job because that's just what I was in. And so I started at. That was my first experience with specialty coffee. Working in specialty coffee was at this tiny place called the Abbey. Um, and I was there for about a year and a half until I was just at this point in my life where I was like, it's time to like start looking for a career. And I've been in coffee for, at this point, like almost six years. Like, so why not just continue down this train? And Verb, which like is based out of Santa Cruz, um, was there and I was just watching them grow like weeds. And I was like, you know what? I bet if I applied there, like I could, like I could make a career out of coffee. And so I applied um, as a barista and I just was a barista, I think for three months and then did their customer service. Um, I call it the captain's desk where you just like sit and make sure that people like know where they're going and know where not to go. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and answer phone calls, mm -hmm. all that kind of fun stuff. Um, until I started working in the coffee department. My, my joke is that my predecessor hired me because she was tired of answering my questions and she wanted to pay me to answer my own questions with research. Uh, so I was just doing quality and um, like educational things and data entry, you know, the, the basic mm -hmm. entry level mm -hmm. coffee department job. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. Uh, and then my predecessor left and I, suited up and showed, showed up to work the next day and was learning what it meant to be a coffee buyer. So I was at Verve for just under five years. I think it was like, yeah, just under five. And then in July of 2020, I said adieu to Verve and started Remedy. Um, and Remedy, what's funny is like Remedy wasn't even going to be a coffee company. It was just, it was going to be a, a natural wine business, <laughs> mm -hmm. but, but things just kept happening and the coffee industry called back to me and I was like, okay, well, we're going to turn Remedy into a coffee roasting company. So um, I left Verve with the intention of not returning to coffee. And here we are <laughs> making a podcast about coffee. <laughs> That's awesome. Yes, it is. Yeah. But, yeah, like coffee is one of those things when you're when you love it, it's really hard to just walk away from it completely. I'm finding that at least. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm I'm totally gonna receive flack for this, and I know it. But what's funny is like coffee, coffee, coffee. It's it's the people. Like it's the people and the work that's being done in this industry that calls me back. It's not the actual mm -hmm. product itself. So that may be. I'm sorry. 
I'm sorry, my religious coffee beans. Well, but, it's nice talking to you today, lady. Yeah, yeah you, you know this is going to be the one minute uh, highlight that we're going to put on Instagram, correct? It's like, it's, just so you know, it's this is this is it. I was thinking, what what would it be? Yeah, it's this is it. I'm kidding. Uh, that's that, it. The that's awesome, though. Yes. That's it. We did it. Thanks for having. Thanks for joining us today. Your spin No, it's really cool to to go uh, to to join Verve you know, as a barista and then to, to move into the green buying role in that way. Um, that's, yeah. that's a cool trajectory. What was, uh, w w when you were, w when you were working there, what were the job responsibilities? Like, were you traveling to coffee farms regularly? Mm -hmm. Oh yes. Um, I traveled quite a bit. I mean, pretty much the entire month of March, I wasn't, <laughs> I was not in Santa Cruz, um, mm -hmm. if not like the first half of the year. I think it was, there's one season where I was like home for a week, gone for two weeks, home for three days, gone for three weeks type thing. But that's just, I mean, if you want to have direct trade relationships, like you need to be going out and doing the work. So that was a big part of it. Um, also was doing the forecasting for it, like worked closely, obviously, like with our finance team and our C CFO. Cause at that point I was still like learning how to sluice with Excel. So being able to like be mm -hmm. mentored by someone that's just being like, this is how you create a function. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then now it's like, I have a multicolored spreadsheet that is, does the work for me. Um, but doing all of that, doing the coffee launches and planning launches and um, it was a lot, but it was fun. I mean, it's, I think like something that, well, depending on where you're working, like coffee buying is a really fascinating job because you're one of the few parts of supply chain that touches every single person in the supply chain, mm -hmm. like any, all the way from the consumer to the producer, like you have access and are intimately involved with everyone. It's not like, you're not just like stuck in this one little niche. Like you have the opportunity to be everywhere. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, that was one of the reasons that we yeah. wanted to, yeah. yeah, that's one of the reasons that we wanted to uh, start this, this podcast, this series of conversations is that the green buyer is usually, you know, one person representing sometimes a company that's got a ton of other employees working there. Like a, you usually represent mm -hmm. a lot of people. And I, I found myself, you know, whenever we all get together, it's just, it's such a unique set of experiences and there's a few people out there that have it. So just getting, yeah, some yeah. of these people in the same room together, getting, you know, your perspective out, I think is really valuable because yeah, it's traveling to the countries and in, in that way. Um, so with, and I, I do want to hear about your work now, um, but just kind of working through the history there, uh, working with the farms you did at Verve, what did those direct trade relationships like how much time were you spending on uh on each like in the, each individual country that you're buying from what does it look like when you're when you're buying coffee for verve mm. um man so what's so funny is like it's hindsight's 2020 you know mm -hmm. um and your your perspective is constantly changing as like as your world and your dreams are changing and so what's interesting is like, I'm looking back and I'm like, ooh, the reality of this answer is not glamorous. <laughs> yeah. But like yeah. now, 
as like as a business owner like oh I would do this so much differently like Mm -hmm. when I was buying I felt like I mainly lived in a cupping lab and yes I would absolutely make a point to to visit all of our producers but actually spending time with them and getting to know them as people and not them as commodity producers and like and hearing about I want to, I want to know about like your son's fifth birthday. Like, mm-hmm. what did you guys do? That's amazing. I want to hear about like this fence that you just built. Like, that's awesome. Like, let's yeah. celebrate your fence. Like you, like you had a really hard year. Like, let's talk about like your hard year. Cause it's, mm-hmm. cause you're human and humans crave connection. And so my time buying previously very much was just driven like, okay, so I have, I have three days here. Um, I have to buy this amount of coffee. I have to cut this amount of cups and I have this much time to go see producers. And so it was very like, it was very structured. And that, and I, and I need this to be very clear. Like I did this to myself because I was trying to prove something <laughs> to mm-hmm. myself. Um, and, but I, I lived mainly out of a cupping lab or I lived like answering emails out of a hotel room. Um, and the, my, the time that I spent with producers was not well spent. And that's, I think it's really sad because like, when you look back, you're like, man, the more, like the most beautiful points, like times of coffee buying is like when you get to spend time with those producers and when you get to hear their stories and you get to see what makes them smile and see Mm -hmm. like what makes them tick and why they do what they do, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, I guess to change. Yeah. uh, That's a perspective. I think, yeah, Tim was talking about a really, so I think last year for us, mm-hmm. I, I'll speak for myself, it really, and trying to figure out, yeah, how, how do you utilize your time at Origin effectively? It's like last year we were able to buy a bunch of great coffees without ever being in one of the cupping labs at Origin. Um, we didn't, yeah. we didn't, we didn't travel anywhere. And so we were able, I, we were able to pretty effectively do it. And I think it cost everyone in the picture a lot less money. Mm-hmm. And moving forward, it's kind of, yeah, that's sort of my thought as well is, yeah, how, how much time do you really need to spend there in a lab when you could be mm-hmm. using, it, it's just, it, it is so resource heavy to get there. And, and ultimately we're trying to foster relationships with the people. So yeah, totally. I, mm-hmm. I would much rather be spending a, at least like a full, like a full day, you know, like a, yeah if you could, you know, if, yeah, coordinate, like even staying with you know on site for a bit and to be able to yeah to, to to see like what what does it look like i was in costa rica right before the shutdown last year and uh we the the farmer that i stayed with um he it was just so cool to wake up he was i got up at like 4 30 a.m every morning with him and you know we're like headed up in the dark into the fields. And it's like, I need to, how do I do this everywhere? Like, this is something that we need to be able to, I think that's, that's effective to be able to bring your perspective or it it allows you to really see their perspective when you're spending that time. Yeah. I'd like to add something that I just remembered that based on what you were saying, Lainey, I, uh, there's a Colombian producer we work with who I, the year prior to the visit where, where, when, when this happened, uh, um, I wasn't able to spend a whole lot of time with him. And then I promised him, Hey, next year, when I come, I'll stay with you. So the next year rolls around and I show up and guess what? 
the whole bed was made, the room was made, the meals were prepped, yep. and I only had an hour. And I felt so terrible because, you know, I'm, I'm with another group. It's not just like myself. It's, you know, we're able to, you know, um, kind of, you know, when, when you're going, when you go into this, these rural areas in the high jungle, you know, and, and it's not just an easy A to B trip. It's like, oh, we got to go four hours somewhere. Um, it's, it's more cost effective to, you know, sort of pay a driver and go with other buyers. Um, and, and, and they also have other relationships as well. So it's not just about me. It's like, we have other people in the group. So it, it, it yeah, it really started thinking about like, how, how can we sort of add, not, not just add value to the relationship by spending more time, but really, yeah, not put a lot of pressure to just go, 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 go like lab, you know, farm visit, lab, farm visit, lab, farm visit, fly out. Like, so yeah, so that's, you know, thanks for sharing that. It's definitely something to, to, definitely consider moving forward mm -hmm. um, yeah well because it yeah, also yeah. was uh, going back a little bit about um talking about spending money to go like travel mm -hmm. <laughs> like there's something that I, I thought about constantly when I was traveling of like man we are like we are trying to be as like sustainable as possible we're trying to like preach sustainability about like, about coffee and transparency within coffee and all of this and it's just like people knew how much like jet fuel coffee buyers alone go through a year. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Insane. But then you're like, but then what's the cost of relationships, you know? Yeah. And trying yeah. to weigh out that factor of like, what is there a cost to relationship like in monetarily or mm -hmm. is it all just because of the passion that we have with people that we work with? Anyway, yeah. it's something I think about all the time. Yeah, it's yeah, just absolutely. like, yeah. Are, are there some other thoughts? I, I'm just thinking about how, like, before I first visited a coffee farm, I, I had like a certain perception of how things worked. And like each time that I've done any kind of travel for coffee, it's just completely altered my perception. What were some of the big misconceptions that you had before you had the opportunity to, to visit coffee producers? Ooh, misconceptions. Well, so this is, um, gosh, okay, so context. I, like, I grew up in an evangelical, like, Christian home, and so, like, in my youth, I have been on, like, numerous missions trips, and I have, like, experienced poverty, like, because of that. I've also experienced, like, what it means to, like, go in as the white savior, so to speak, mm -hmm. um, and so, automatically like my going into my first coffee um buying trip I was very aware of both of those things already and so I think some of like my misconceptions were already debunked <laughs> um because of like previous experiences um because I, I just I've I've known since starting to work in coffee that um that you don't like you don't that coffee was built off slavery and that coffee was built off the backs of people that didn't have the ability to speak for themselves. And so I think going into my first buying trip, it was mainly just like, it was actually, it was stealing myself and it was like putting up the walls of like, okay, Drury, like don't go fall in love with people this trip. Like don't like keep, keep your shit together, Carol, you know, like, mm -hmm. <laughs> sorry. 
or I don't know if that's the yeah, type of a right. podcast. <laughs> Uh, you, can, um, you can use whatever, whatever language. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think the misconceptions were mainly, or mainly are just about like <laughs> that you can't just walk into a farm and like fall in love with someone and buy their coffee. I think would probably be like my ultimate misconception of just like, oh yeah, if they're amazing people, then their coffee is going to be amazing. Um, because that was for sure something that I like, I don't, oh man, I feel so bad. I know I have his name written down in one of my, like, my journals, but mm-hmm. one of these guys, the little mm-hmm. Um, But I remember like going and visiting like this farm and it was just this like firecracker of, of a gentleman. And he was just feisty and funny and honest. And I was just like, man, I like you and I want to buy your coffee. Also, I was not by myself and I was like, this was like a training wheel situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, because <laughs> this could have like gotten me into some hot water. We, we visited him and then we went to the cupping lab and tasted his coffee. And it was, y'all, it wasn't great. <laughs> it really wasn't great. Yeah. Like best intentions, like, oh man. So I think like that would be the biggest misconception, like the biggest misconception is like that character equals quality, um, character of human, I should say, mm-hmm. is quality. Uh, but outside of like the standard, like poverty and like how people live um, and even like within that, like the wealth disparity, even between coffee producers, like from estate producers to like backyard, like producers, mm-hmm. um, it was, yeah, yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I mean, so so you mentioned quality and you know, and, and that story. Mm-hmm. I feel like it leads in. Of course, we. I mean, I, I deal with the same. I still I, I still have a hard time figuring out exactly where I land in that because yeah, whenever I meet a producer and connect with them, that's the primary thing that makes me want to buy their coffee. I, I think, you know, for us, mm-hmm. you know, that we'll be brief about it, but it's like, I think we are, you know, we, we, we look for quality in coffee, but we are, you know, trying to foster year over year relationships. So with, with certain producers we work yeah. with, it's like, we've had years that the coffee lands and we don't even sell it like as their, as their coffee, you know, the quality doesn't yeah. stay there. And it's like, how do, how do you, how do you balance that kind of thing with with maintaining a a relationship with somebody that now we care Mm -hmm. about you know Mm -hmm. Um, so well i mean that i'm so sorry you didn't even answer the question if if you have another thought go for it full of thoughts chock full um i mean in those instances it just kind of begs like what's your definition of a relationship because Mm -hmm. for me a relationship is honesty and it's like it's being able to have those hard conversations of like, Hey, like when we purchased your coffee, like it was stellar, but it just, it didn't age well. Um, and like, and having conversations like with their, like their, like your relationship managers with these producers and being like, this is a situation like we, like we blended their coffee this year. Like we don't know if something happened during processing, during drying or something, but just to be aware and just so that you have the data of like, it didn't, didn't last three months after arriving and that's 
that's typically problematic. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I mean, for me, it's like, how are we supposed to grow as humans? How are we supposed to grow as buyers, as producers, as consumers, if we don't have a constant feedback loop of like of trusted individuals that are able to speak into that. And so like, for what you're saying, it's just like, it is a constant, a constant uh, sort of like communication point for buyers and for importers, exporters, like relationship managers, agronomists, everyone of just like, how did the coffee perform this year? What changed? What can we change? How can we change? You know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So how, so now let's talk about you know, prices. Um, when, when we're talking about quality and coffee, how does that factor into the price that, or you know, the, the way that you think about paying for coffee? Oh, here, here we go. Here, <laughs> come on, Lenny. <laughs> there you go. Get, get comfortable. Take, take another sip. Is that coffee in there or? Uh... It's wine. Oh, no, this is. That's wine. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> California. Right? No, 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 California, is... yeah. Sonoma. Sonoma. <laughs> Listen, it was after 10 a.m. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> like no, this is, a, this is a. <laughs> hey, my door is always open. If yeah. you need a place to just drink some wine, I got you. Love it. Love it. Come we all love wine here. Yes. <laughs> Okay, well, Amen. next <laughs> next week now, it's about right. wine. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. Sorry, I interrupted. So, I, took, I took us somewhere else. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, can you actually repeat the question? <laughs> uh, so, so I want to make sure that... All I, right, I so directly, how, how are you tying the wages that you pay for, or the, the price that you pay for coffee uh, to quality? Okay. Man, really just going for the, that question <laughs> mm-hmm. it's it's just such a hard it's a hard question because I'm honestly like I'm caught in between multiple mindsets um there is the um the big softy that just wants everyone to be rainbows and butterflies and just wants everyone to make a living wage and everyone's dreams to come true <laughs> mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. is the um the business the fiscal fiscally responsible businesswoman that's just like okay well let's look at our bottom line let's look at our demand let's look at like what we can afford to make ends meet like let's take a look at the countless of spreadsheets and cells that are full of raw data um and see like what we can actually afford and then there's the realist in me that is being like okay so what's middle ground and what, how do we achieve both? I'm still trying to figure that one out, which is why we're having this conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it comes to quality and price, oh my gosh, it depends. So one of my, um, my coffee mentors, we, we laugh about it because like whenever people ask us direct direct questions like when it comes to this type of thing like the answer is always it depends Mm -hmm. genuinely um, because it depends on the producer it depends on the region it depends on like on the country everything it depends so answering this question is really (laughs) it's really difficult um but it 
quality absolutely needs to play a factor if we are looking at it from a business perspective. Um, and we're looking at it from a fiscally responsible perspective, quality, and especially as a part of the specialty coffee industry, like when we are preaching the gospel of specialty coffee, it's all about like quality and it's all about transparency. And it's all about like, well, this like, why are we paying $12 for a cup of coffee? It's like, because this coffee is bomb. Um, it's amazing. And like, so there has to be quality a part of that since that is a backbone this industry is built off of. However, it's relative because what if we can't like pay, oh man, hold on. I just got stuck in my head for a minute. No you got, <laughs> you got all the time. <laughs> well, I, cause I got, I got stuck in my head cause I was like, I'm like thinking through like, well, like, I mean, paying $50 a pound for a Panamanian geisha that scores an 89, but only paying like $6 a pound for a 91 scoring Kenyan, you know? Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, it's I've, better I've quality. Ethiopia, where, where it was, where it's like, I'll, I'll score a coffee 90 points from Ethiopia that, yeah, it's like worth, yeah, 450 or something. Yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah where, where, where it, it's tough. It's it, because, yeah, where, where does the quality? I remember having this one of the Costa Rican producers that I'm friends with. She was like, talk, she had her, her coffee was 84, and it was like, you know, she, she was talking about the, you know, the quality to price. And, and I remember telling her that, like, I, I just got this 91 Ethiopia for four dollars. And she was asking, I think, 550 or something for a coffee. And yeah, it's like, yeah, that it is very it, it's you, c- you can't look at every country and every situation in the same way no well i think it, i think another thing like another topic to be brought up with this is also um topic of trends like what's hot right now like mm-hmm. what what's gonna sell um and so there's the there's the different schools of thought where it's like for me as a buyer, I am not someone that traces that chases trends. Um, they they drive me nuts because they're not long term sustainable. And it's as a buyer, like I care more about making sure that you are going to be producing the variety that works best for your terroir, that you are going to be producing a variety that's going to over time is going to grow in quality because of the work you're doing not because you just decided to have an anaerobic triple fermentation for 200 hours cold um to try and get to to score a quick buck um Mm -hmm. when that's not sustainable at all like i would rather you plant a tabi and wheela and have it score consistently an 88 point over the next 10 years than to have one geisha plant that scored a 92 and got you 25 bucks a pound one year and then never produce the same ever again. Mm-hmm. Um, but oh man, this, and now I'm like going down a rabbit hole because then I'm like, well then let's have a conversation about like using like a holistic buying practice of buying all of, of a producer's coffee or like, everything that scores like above an 85 
and mm-hmm. being able to price everything, all the day lots appropriately of just being like, I know that I want to like, I want to buy this 87 point coffee for $4 and 50 cents. And I know I want to buy this 85 for $3. Um, and this is why, but at the end of the day, you're like, I'm buying all of your coffee. I'm buying your harvest. And this is something that we can continue doing year after year. Um, and just being honest about quality and how that plays into coffee buying, but not chasing after the hot, the hot commods that yeah. are hashtag <laughs> hot commod. That's yeah. a, that's a new one. You, you, that's wow. Sorry, I, yeah, how many people are I'm really like, I'm a Bay Area I'm a Bay Area gal, so I just have all the little like the little isms that don't make sense mm-hmm. half the time. No, we get it. We, totally, keep them under we dig right it. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it is. It, there's so many rabbit holes to go down with it, though. It's uh let's let's talk about with with remedy. Uh what so 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 then what's What's your green coffee sourcing strategy like with Remedy as a new company? And who's involved? Yeah, who's all, who's a little bit more, uh, um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so involved in Remedy or yeah, in Remedy? In, in, in Remedy and then so, also in the Green Vine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Remedy is, there's, there's three major players. There is myself, um, and then there is a gentleman named Jordan Johnson who owned a coffee roasting company called Clementine up until October when he closed his doors to fully um, integrate into Remedy. And then there's the, the Minier, Melinda and Jordan that own a coffee shop in Auburn, which is where we're based. And honestly, like it was just the coming together of four people um that all have very different strengths and skill sets uh 100 like i can't do what mel and jor do i can't do what jordan does and they can't do what i do and so it's this perfect thing where being like oh that like that's a finance question like mel like oh that's a build out question that's a cafe question jor so it's it's really beautiful in that regard um so it's the four of us very different very loud very funny um very very funny <laughs> i never i never laugh more than when i'm with my business partners yeah, it also feels awesome. great telling a business partner um and then when it comes to the buying side it's it's mainly it's mainly me but i'm trying like i'm teaching i'm teaching everyone that's willing to listen to be honest because that's a big passion of mine, especially since starting Remedy, is that recognition of there is no one out there teaching people how to buy coffee. Like, yeah. it's only because of, of Verve that I am the buyer that I am today. And I like, I, well, Verve and my, like myself and the work that I, um, that I did in myself as a human. But like, if it wasn't for the connections and the, all the time and the blood, sweat and tears and the training that I received from birth, like, I would, like, we would be SOL at Remedy. And that, like, I totally, thanks, Verve. Like, shout out to my homies. Um, so it's, 
it's, it's hard because there's no education, which is funny because I was reading, like when I was reading through the source code, I literally mm-hmm. was like, I want to buy 12 of these copies. And I have like at least 12 people that I want to give these to mm-hmm. because I'm just like, read through this and this will give you a great understanding of like of a basic just general knowledge of what it takes to buy coffee. This is, and that's just gen ed. That's not even the specialized things that are involved in buying coffee. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I answered your question. I went off on a tangent. That's just oh, no, that, to my that, rabbit. Thanks trip. for saying that. Though. That's great to hear. Cause that's, I felt the same way. It was kind of, for me, learning how to do this was uh, a lot of <laughs> trial and error. And then finally, you know, I've, I've gotten to learn so much more by being here at metric with, you know, a more generous environment. Um, but yeah, there's, there's not very many people talking about this out there. Yeah, which is, it's doing in my service, in my, sorry, in my opinion, a disservice to the industry because like we're trying to encourage people to move in the direction of direct trade and to move in the director, direction of like sustainability. But how can people achieve any of those things if there's no education and there's no knowledge behind it? Or if there's people not even willing to share that knowledge because there is- yeah there is this like really strange sense of like secrecy and like competition within coffee buying um, where it's like, you don't tell your trade secret when mm-hmm. it's just like, yo, we all are trying to do the same thing. Like yeah. we're, and we're all doing the same thing. Like there are no secrets. So why are you trying to hide it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And no, uh, and I, I, I want to say that I, you know, the initial, I guess, inspiration for, releasing source code was definitely to help our customers have a better understanding of where coffee comes from. I think there's a lot of, uh, um, yeah, there's a lot of secrets in our trade or in, in there's a lot of unknowns to the general public. Yeah. Um, one of them, which I was talking to, uh, I think Ryan the other day, Ryan Knapp was around and uh, I had shown him our probat UG and I had said, you know, a lot of customers call the roaster a big grinder. So, you know, and of course it's like, oh, look at the big grinder, et cetera. And it just goes to show that a lot of times when we're talking amongst each other, we're just sort of talking, not, not necessarily at each other, but we are preaching to each other rather than like, how do we take everything down to the bare essentials to put into whatever, you know, podcast or magazine format to then educate consumers? Because the, 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 the challenge for me personally as a human is to see a lot of pre- predatory marketing to consumers, you know, like they're buying really cheap coffee and then they sell it for the same price as other roasters. Um, And, you know, like, I'm not going to drop any names because that's not what we're here for, but I see it and it's palpable and it Mm -hmm. makes me angry. And I think that all we could do is as, as humans and as roasters, as professionals is to like encourage other people to take up the sort of the transparency torch. It's like, Hey, let's, let's really be clear about, why we're doing this and it's not perfect that's that's one thing we've learned from other buyers it's like man things are effed up things are like we don't get this you know like we're talking to people that are they know their shit they have been it for a really long time they're still like you know they're they're still conflicted to a degree maybe others aren't as conflicted conflicted as i am personally but i could see that um yeah they're they're really yeah they they really have a lot to say. It's just that not a whole lot of people are asking, you know, and they're not, they're not inquiring. And it's just because I, I'm a believer that it's just that consumers don't know what to ask for. 
they don't know what to ask for. They don't know like what, you know, they hear direct trade or organic or bird friendly. It's like, it sounds good. It's a, it's, it sounds positive. It sounds like it's making an impact. I'm making the quote unquote gesture for those of you at home. Um, you know, and it's just, it's, it's really challenging because we, we know that that is not the, that that's not the answer and not, not that this project is the answer, but I, I'm, I'm happy that you decided to, you, you, uh, agreed to join us because we could learn from you, you know, and I am so happy to hear that you want, you have a sort of a, what's the best way to say it, a giving heart. You want to, you want to share this information because it's important because there's a lot of people that are going to listen to you and they're going to be inspired. And I hope they're women, uh, you know, baristas who then want to go into buying because of you, you know, and hopefully they'll reach out to you. In fact, we're, we'll get your, you know, your personal contact if you, if you want to share it with the public, but yeah, you, we should be here to encourage people to do a better job. That's, that's what it's yeah. about. And, and we're not the people to tell, to tell the public what a better job is, but I think that we want to be a part of a larger conversation, which is what this is about, is that we're all, yeah. we're all sharing, we're all in it to expose what we don't know and also talk about what we do know. So that's, yeah, I don't know. But. In the words of High School Musical, yeah. we're all in this together. We're all in this together and a one and a two. Let's all, no, okay. yeah. cue, cue the track, oh, cue no. the track. Oh. <laughs> cue the I track. can't, it's, it's just because of the Zoom delay. We can't yeah. do Okay, it. you can't do it. I was, I was looking at Colin and I'm like, wait, is he gonna do it? No, we didn't do it, but. Um, so that being said with, with the coffees that you're sourcing right now at Remedy, where, where are you, where are you buying coffee mm -hmm. from? Anywhere I can. <laughs> no, that's not true. Um, honestly, I'm calling in on all of my bro deals, all of my, like my besties, all of my, like my farm level family. Is it's literally just being like, hey, like this is year one. Do you guys have anything like that I can buy from you? Mm -hmm. It's so many like WhatsApp voice memos of being like, hey, um, do you like? Can I like? Can I buy from you? Um, I only need like five bags. Is that cool? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and having them being like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, consolidation container, and I'm like, I don't know what that word means, but yes, yeah, <laughs> I know what it means. That was a joke, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like coming from like such a large roaster from Verve, like consolidating with other roasters. Yeah, like, it's like what? Like a little no, bit of we don't like do that. Yeah. Foreign thing. Yeah, I know. Mm -hmm. It's like how I'm sharing my like my container with how many other like coffee roasters? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool, 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 cool. Right, kind of tight, no doubt, no doubt. <laughs> yeah, I just imagine going from you know buying for Verve where you're. You, you, you do have the volume ability to, to get a lot of coffee and then, you know, starting a, starting your own company, you're restricted on volumes as you get started. And I'm sure it's hard yeah. once you're used to having the access to like a lot of direct relationships and the mm -hmm. ability to, to buy, it's, it's probably hard to, to, to start and build a menu. Right. Yeah, it really is. Um, but again, like this is like where, like it, it's really great that I do have the experience that I have because even like when because it's like I have purchased bought from importers but like being able to be like oh my gosh like I literally have walked this Hembella farm like I've been there and so I know like I know this coffee I know this mill I know the work they're doing and so it's like being able to lean on the experience that I've had and being like oh I've 
oh my gosh, I've watched Hill Baza. Like I've, yeah, I've hung out there for, for a day. Like I understand a lot more because of that. And so for me, like spot buying has been substantially easier because I already have a relationship and know the work that they're doing. Um, but also being able to understand grain prices is a huge thing. And like recognizing the fact that like, I'm only buying one bag of like this single origin, single origin quotation mark a uh, lot. And being like, well, because I'm only buying one bag, it's going to be five fifty a pound um, instead of like buying mm. 50 bags for $3 and 75 cents a pound. Um, which is where like, I mean, Never mind. Well, we can get into that later mm-hmm. if we want to, but just like building a buying collective of like, how do you, how do you build your buying power as a micro roaster? Definitely micro roaster. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah. I feel like I just, I want to touch on what you said because I, I know on, on several occasions for other roasters, we have purchased, we have contracted coffees, put in, put, put the place them in our position with the intention of re not not reselling it to them, but they just basically take it out of our position and they take possession mm-hmm. of the coffee. And it seems like there's really there's there's really something there for all of us to come together to figure out how do we how 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 can we utilize the, these resources? You know, with roasters that are just getting started and and they they want to have access to quality coffee. Perhaps they already have a direct trade relationship. They just are not able to buy more than three bags. Um, you know, mm-hmm. how, how do we, how are we able to come together? And I could say that, at, you know, and I'll, and I'll say this right now, if, if at any point there's anything we're doing that is able to help you guys out, you just, you just ask. So we'll, we'll, we'll we're, we're here. So we, 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 we actually really like doing it because we know we've been there. I mean, we've been there. We, we bought like, yeah. we have like two bags of coffee. That's it. You know, and just waiting till the last grain <laughs> until the, the next, you know, truck yep. rolls up, you know, it's like, Oh, I have, so, yeah. you know, so yeah. Be like, can I afford this green coffee invoice? How much do I have in the bank account? How much? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh man, that's literally. I had like a finance meeting a few days ago that was just like, okay, so we have these invoices coming. Can we afford them? Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Um. Yeah. I mean, first and foremost, like the one, <laughs> the one word that comes to mind above anything else is like, is having the humility to like to ask for help. And as a micro roaster, just like being able to say like, like I need help. And like, I will preach it from the top of the mountains to you and all of the listeners, y'all, we need help. We need help in buying power. (laughs) So if you want to join forces, let's join forces. Let's build containers. (laughs) Um, But yes, I will also take you up on your help and whatever that, whatever that means. Yeah. Cool. (laughs) Awesome. But at the same time, it's just like, this is, it's the humility at the same time of, of taking out the competition. Cause I think when, when you become so obsessed with trying to be an individual, when you become so obsessed with like trying to be the one big standout roaster, you get yourself in trouble. Um, and it, it turns into this really um, cyclical mindset of of just like, we have to be the best. We have to buy the best. We have, it has to be like, no one else can have this coffee. When in reality, like, yes, like when you become a larger roaster, exclusivity is possible, but as a micro roaster, exclusivity is so far and few between. Um, And and having that mindset as a micro roaster is really unhealthy 
And so being able to like walk into uh, a conversation or walk into like this type of a buying model, if it becomes a thing in my life, which I'm hoping it does, um, is just being able to be like, hey, we're going to have the same coffee. Like, is that cool? Because I'm cool with it. Because also roasting styles, it could be completely different. Like, Mm -hmm. dude, your roasting style could literally blow like my coffee out of the water. And I'm fine with that. Because at the end of the day, like, we did good work. Yeah. And we are doing yeah. good work. Yeah. I I yeah. take big issue with any if it's like if you're a roaster that has an issue with somebody having the same coffee as you, I think the only solution is like it's like if if that roaster can't buy the entire lot of coffee, then why would they be surprised? It's especially if you're a roaster that that preaches, you know, trying to be sustainable in your buying practices. Yeah. It's like, where, where do you expect the farmer to sell the coffee? To just sit on the rest. Yeah. 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 Just yeah. wait. Just wait until you're ready to buy all of it. You know, it's... Maybe. I mean, I think it also just like it's at those points where you start being able to separate like the people that are walking the walk and talking the talk. Right. Because um, the people that are walking the walk are, are the ones that are saying like, yeah, we're going to have the same coffee. Like, because I can't buy all of it. And that's fine. And the people that like want to be the cool kids in the block of mm-hmm. like, no, but this is why it's super duper special and no one else has it. I'm just thinking like, I mean, yeah, but it, and it kind of goes back to that, like the marketing you're talking about, like the, the predatory marketing mm-hmm. of just like, why are you doing this? Is it because you want to be a cool kid? Yeah. Shock, shocker. Shock. No one's cool. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Maybe Jeff Watt. Yeah. Jeff Watt. <laughs> He is very cool. pretty cool. I actually, I just, I want to, I want to make mention because I we're talking about sharing coffees and I think, no, I know that Verve and Metric shared a coffee, Benjamin's uh, El Brujo. Mm. We shared El Brujo. <gasps> yeah. And uh, yeah, I thought that was really cool. Well, now there's like, going to be three shares of El Brujo. Oh, oh yeah. Awesome. Cool. Mm. Well, I, th- I'm, I, and I might be talking prematurely, but I'm, I believe that we're we're supposed to be buying all of it, but if we share it, that would be there. even now it comes better. Out. That would, yeah, no, no. Oh, well, it, you know, but also Ben Hamin's a great guy, and he <laughs> wants to everybody to be happy. So I'm sure he'll call me like Xavier. Hey, uh, so we're gonna we're gonna sell this coffee somewhere else, and, and you know he's knows that we're gonna say sure, like absolutely. Yeah. And do you like my Ben Hamin? Uh, <laughs> hey, hey, I, I love it. I love it. <laughs> Uh, I feel so bad for putting Benny on blast. I know. Oh, he is because we love him. Uh, we love him. Yeah, he's he's a sweetheart. Um, but yeah, putting me on blast like ten minutes after he met me. So I I think we'll right. (laughs) He's he's amazing. He deserves it. What a guy. Yeah. Let's hey, Lane. Let's do a dual release. How about that? If we get okay, a brujo and you do some sort of cool like dual, yeah, yeah we'll talk. We'll do it after mm-hmm. this because we. I'm, I'm getting all these ideas, but we'll, we'll uh, yeah, that, that'd be fun, right? Can we have like, can we have a picture of Gandalf, like a drawing of Gandalf yes. on the front of it? In fact, that's what yeah. he drew. That he drew a picture of almost like Gandalf, like, and I had an artist, a local artist, actually made a poster. I'm gonna send you a photo after this. So we had we we had a poster of, of a brujo. In fact, if you want one, we still have a couple. What are they? They're, or I'm yeah, not gonna stop the show Thank to you. show you. But yeah, I, I legitimately sh- do want one because yeah. I'm a huge Lord of the Rings fan. Yeah, it's- no, that's awesome. <laughs> no, this is a really cool. It's like this sort of metal-looking, uh, lots of wizard, uh, wizard witch guy but- with. Yeah, it's cool. 
We'll send you a picture. Oh, here for it. And we'll send you a post. Please. I will never say no to a Gandalf poster. Okay. Yes. Put that there. Noted. All right. So we are, there's been a, a I think we're, we're getting close to an hour here. So that's, that's oh, wow. our, okay. we're going to go to two hours. So it's going to be the first hour. And Halfway the, I'm point. kidding. No. <laughs> She's like, I got somewhere to be. Um, but I, I do always like to ask. So you were kind of touching on it. I think said some really great stuff at the beginning. And then you were just talking about <laughs> humility as being uh, yeah. of big benefit to green coffee buyers. But I'm thinking, you know, for me, when w- 10 years ago, when I was really just getting interested in specialty coffee, I would have loved to, to hear the perspective of people with experiences such as you. Like, what should, what should people focus on if they're new to coffee, they're really into it, and they want to work and green coffee sourcing one day? Um, <laughs> my first, like legitimately, my very first thought is make sure you love Excel. <laughs> um, that would have been so helpful to know. That, 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 that alone. <laughs> I, I would have taken some Excel classes when I had more time on my hands. I know, back then. yeah. Right? It's, I mean, again, the hindsight's always twenty twenty. But like mm-hmm. the amount of time green buyers actually spend in spreadsheets versus doing other things is quite shocking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but also like something that I always like tell people is like, is to make sure you always like, if you want to make it a, like a job in sourcing, like make sure that you can actually do it. I mean, that sounds like so silly to say out loud, but like a lot of people just have those rose colored glasses on of like, all you do is go hang out with producers and you're in airports and it's this luxurious lifestyle. When at the end of the day, it's like more often than not, green coffee buyers are sitting in airports, like drinking beer so they can fall asleep on the plane so they can make it to their morning cupping, like so they can be alive and they're answering emails all within that time. But they, at the same time, they still need to be like have like be relatively diplomatic and like being able to like have intelligent conversations and while you have no sleep, mm-hmm. <laughs> like and mm-hmm. um, being able to like care about people, but then at the same time, like still be able to keep some sort of like professionalism because you're representing a company and um and make sure that's what you want. Like, do like, or are you just wanting the notoriety? Like, what do you do? Like, what do you want to do it for? Like just look within yourself because I can tell you right now like I love the the anonymity of being a, of being a buyer mm-hmm. I love when people don't know what I do mm. yeah a lot more fun um and if you want notoriety then go into barista competition go into sales yeah if you want to do good for people then become a coffee buyer if you want to do really hard work and you like you want to be that bridge between farm level and street level, then let's have a conversation. But if you just want to be the cool kid on the block that says coffee buyer in your business card, you're not going to make it. Yeah. And you might do a lot of damage in the process of figuring that out. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much for, uh, for talking to us today, Lanny. It's great to meet you. Yeah. It's great to meet you. Next time I want to hear your story and hear all your thoughts is, yeah, I'm absolutely. wildly and curious. I-